you know, have a mind and a, and a business that's open to everything, that's scouting for the opportunities and close to nothing. Hello, you've tuned in to episode number nine of the Toxic Fox Show, where I interview business owners who give a damn about sustainability, ethics, health and wellness. You'll find tips, tricks and insights to inspire you on your journey. Welcome, whether this is your first ever episode or you're returning. Thank you for taking the time to listen. This episode is sponsored by sevencanaries.com.au and I'm Diana Barnett, your host. My guest today is Carolyn Tate the founder of the Slow School of Business. It's physically based in Melbourne, Australia, but offers its programs around the world. If you're interested in getting in touch with the school, there are links on the show notes. I've been part of the community since the day it launched, and I have participated in many of the programs. I have to say, one thing I love about the school is being with like-minded people, committed to making a difference through business to this world and the world our great-grandchildren will inherit. Each program is interesting and rewarding as you mix with people from all walks of life and industries. The skills, experience and and knowledge vary in breadth and depth and I'm often challenged at many levels, which makes each program all the more rewarding. However, the reason why I really love the school is because of the people and their driving business with purpose. Now, let's head over to the interview. I started the conversation by asking Carolyn, what is the Slow School? Well, Slow School is a people-powered learning community and we're called the Slow School of Business but affectionately known as Slow School. And essentially we exist to help businesses build uh, purpose-driven and prosperous organisations so that we are collectively making the world a better place. So all our learning and education is very much orienting organisations towards a higher purpose than profit and we encourage companies to really think deeply about why they're there, what contribution they're making to the world and how the world's better because they exist. So we think that starts with learning and that's why we're a business school that teaches the purpose principles. So who's we? So we, oh, well, we have a community now of, um, oh, maybe 50 different uh, facilitators and educators and practitioners of purpose, I guess, uh, professional service providers, facilitators, educators. So I call them the Slow School Collective. And essentially we're all practising what I do. I guess we're doing what I call the edge work, which means that we're delivering philosophies from countries like Bhutan, gross national happiness, philosophies around uh, nature, how do we bring the principles of nature into business. We explore topics around ethics and values, uh, topics around uh, collaborative debating is one of the things that we've done. Brave Truth is another program we've run. And our core program is called Talk on Purpose, which is been inspired by TED Talks. So everything we do is about bringing humanity into business. And I guess in a lot of ways, we're bringing slow to the world of fast. So just going back is the collective of 50. Mm -hmm. Where did they come from? And how have they found their way to you? And what sort of skill base do they have? Mm. So I guess they've just come from um, all of my connections and networks. I've been in business over 14 years. And one of my 
biggest strengths and I think it's very important for us all to know what we're really good at and be better and better and better at what we're good at. And one of those is community building. I, I, I built the Conscious Capitalism community, I'm part of the Certified B Corporation community. And so these people have come through all of my connections that I've made in the last five years in Melbourne and um, really getting to know these people and understand what drives them, why they're here, what is their... Um, doctrine I guess whether that's um, Ken Ken Wilber's learnings or Nancy Klein's learnings or the learnings of uh, Gandhi I've really got to know these people and I've brought them on the journey with us over the last 18 months since slow school's been in place so I guess what we're doing is creating a community of, of like-minded practitioners and they are truly people that are doing the work that no other uh, business school, I think, is delivering uh, in the marketplace. How do you decide on what is going to be taught through? What topics and what subjects and what courses are going to be run through Slow School? That's interesting. I think it's just from conversation through observation and a bit of like, oh my gosh, what are we going to teach next week, next month? You know, um, we haven't really been too too strategic, to be honest, in what we do and don't teach. I think when you're starting anything new, you need to be open to what's appearing in front of you and looking at the opportunities that are presenting themselves. Um, it's more a matter of what we don't teach. We don't teach rational and functional skills and technical skills. Um, we don't teach how to do a balance sheet, for example. We don't teach how to code. Um, we don't do anything that's functional, rational. You know, we don't teach how to build a website, for example, or how to get on Facebook. We think that there's a lot of that learning and teaching is out there in the marketplace and a lot of it can also be learnt online. What we do teach other human skills that are required to adapt to this volatile and uncertain world that we're all being thrust into now. So we're very clear on what we do teach and what we don't teach and we're very, very much around attracting people that teach the really deep, essential, mindful human skills that are going to be required to bring us into this, into this new age that I'm calling the human age um, that we're really entering into right now. So how are these courses or workshops or um, delivered? Um, so I um, so essentially they're delivered very um, in an unorthodox way. We we're very much about learn by doing, mm-hmm. and we believe that we're all teachers and we're all students. That that there is no uh, delineation between the teacher and the student. And everything we do is very different and very experiential. So, for example, on Sunday, we're actually going to Nagambi, which is an hour and a half north of, of Melbourne, and we're going to sit in nature and we're also going to a farm that is off the grid and is a straw bale house. And so we're going to actually sit in nature, experience what it's like to live off the grid, and we're also going to have a tour of uh, the local town and we're going to hear from some of the local townspeople about what the issues are in rural communities and particularly the, the rural community there. So this, to me, is an example of learn by doing. 
You are yep. actually going out and immersing yourself in a situation to hear from the people that are experiencing that particular thing rather than sitting in a conventional classroom and hearing about it from afar. Um, and the other thing we do is we have slow dinners and uh, uh, we have people come along, uh, we share a dinner, we get very deeply connected through conversation and through good questioning and good listening skills and we share a topic. So I'm going to be teaching our first dinner for this year and it's going to be around Grow Your Business Tree, which is a map or a model that I use to teach people how to build a business plan on a tree um, using principles of nature. Um, so everything we do and our Talk on Purpose program, I know you've done that, um, Diana, we throw people in on the first day and we get them to talk for five minutes about why they exist and then they after three days of coaching and angst and tears, they get to stand on stage and deliver their talk live to an audience of 100 people. So that's an example of the kind of learning that we, we, we really want to bring to people. It has to be transformational. It's got to change people from a head, a heart and a gut level. Uh, and it's got to be learned by doing. And it's most everything that we do is very much about orienting people to that deeper question of why am I here? So why is the School of Business, the Slow School of Business here? Well, our why is to help build purpose-driven and prosperous businesses that make the world a better place. And the only way that can be done is by learning. And we have to unlearn everything we've been taught today and learn new ways of being in the world and being in business. So essentially that is why we exist. And I guess if you dig deep, deep, deep down with me, the reason I exist is for my son and for future generations. I think that if we continue the course that we're continuing in the world, that we are not going to have a planet to live on. And so my deepest, deepest why is for my, my, my son and for his generation and for ensuing generations and my nieces and my nephews and, and the future, that if we don't change what's being learnt in business and in capitalism and in government and in our institutional institutions and hierarchies around the world, then we're not going to have a future, a planet to live on. So that's, I guess, my deepest why. <laughs> and um, so how did you come up with the concept of slow school, taking that? Well, let's step back one and just go back into, I know a tiny bit about your background um, and I know that you had this sort of pivot in your life in 2010, was it? Yes. So, yeah. so that is that, would you say the journey of slow school basically came from, a, started as a seed back then? Yeah, oh, you know, funnily enough, Diana, when I was seven, I wanted to be a teacher. And when I was 14, I wanted to be a teacher. And then when I was 18, I went into banking. Right. So go figure, you know, they say that our work is placed in us when we are born. But for some reason, with all of the external noise, we don't actually really explore that when we're young. And we get taught that we have to take on a role that's going to make us financially prosperous instead of emotionally and, and spiritually prosperous. So I think... Um, and then I went into banking and I was there for 20 years, both at Westpac and Merrill Lynch. And if I look back on my time over that those 20 years, the time that I was happiest when I was actually working in Westpac training when I was a teacher, funnily yep. enough. And so I ignored 
um, that and went into this, into marketing. So over many years, and so in 2001, I left banking and after a few years of working in marketing, I went, started my own business as a marketing consultant. And if I think back on it now, I don't even like marketing. You know, it's a profession that I guess I fell into and I didn't really think about whether it was something that I wanted to be doing. Funnily enough, I became a teacher of marketing and um, but it was in 2010 after about nine years of being in business and 20 years in banking, um, I'm showing my age now, I decided that I really didn't want to be teaching people how to market stuff that I really probably didn't believe in. So then I, I gave it all up. I had a complete revolution within 90 days I sold my home I gave away all my possessions I uh, closed my business and I took my son Billy who was 12 at the time to live in Aix-en-Provence in the south of France and we lived there for six months I didn't owe anything and I didn't own anything and it's the happiest I've been in my life um And I wrote a book while I was there about that particular journey of giving everything up and starting over again. And I would say that that was the beginning of the search for my purpose and for uh, particularly with regards to my future livelihood. I knew that I didn't really want to do marketing again and that I had to go on this journey of the next iteration. And I really deeply explored the idea of being a teacher Um, but in a spiritual and an emotional and a human sense rather than a functional sense or a rational sense around marketing as being a function of business, for example. So, yes, so my journey into purpose started in 2010 and I read and consumed everything I could on purpose. I read Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning, which for me is the seminal book on purpose. If you read no other book about purpose, then that's the book to read. Um, I'd watch TED Talks and documentaries and I'd really searched wide and I became very curious about capitalism and business and where it was going wrong and where it was leading humanity down a a dangerous path. So, yes, I've been five years on the journey. So I think slow school was a seed that started perhaps when I was seven years old um, but that I can only now say I've brought to fruition at the age of uh, 50 was when I actually went, right, this is what I'm going to do. So... um, I don't know if that answers your question. No, it just gives us a bit of direction and a bit of background of how and you've got here and the why. So you come forward to now where you are and you've got slow business, the slow school of business. Um, I just want to touch on quickly is what is the structure of the business, of slow school of business? How does that operate? Yeah, so I guess we've been in play for 18 months and it's been a very much a trial and error experience. We've um, changed, I think, a, a few things. Firstly, we've we've sort of changed our business model in that uh, way. We've changed what we've taught. Um, we've we've um, We've had a lot of failures, um, which I guess I I reframe as experiments. We've had a lot of experiments in those 18 months and it's really taken us 18 months, uh, I guess, to get clarity around what it is we're teaching and who it is we're serving. 
And I think the what and the who, I've always had the why, like that's down pat. I, You know, no one questions that and that is a great attractor of people. Like people come to our website and our brand and they look at what we're doing and they just go, wow, finally a school that's speaking my language. So with my marketing experience, I've been able to put that into our brand and our positioning, uh, talking about our purpose. I've been able to articulate our five principles, which are courage, consciousness, compassion, connection and co-creation and we've really lived and breathed those. We have a very clear vision of millions of people and businesses working on purpose. So we've got those fundamentals right. We've got that right but what has changed is what it is we're delivering and who it is we're serving which I think is where the experimentation comes in. Mm-hmm. So we've got absolute clarity in our, now around what it is we're delivering. As I've said, we deliver the human skills. We run public events as a way to promote slow school and position ourselves in the market. But we also um, are professional service providers and the collective actually becomes what I call an outsourced, outsourced learning and development um, company for the mid-tier range companies in the marketplace. we Who it is we're specifically wanting to serve is the high-tech, fast-growth companies. We're very passionate about getting into those organisations that are growing fast and are probably suffering from a culture issues because they're growing faster than they can kind of contain their culture. And so they're the kinds of companies we want to partner with, as well as um, the education world. We're very passionate about pitching and positioning our work amongst the education world and also the professional services world. So what we've done is we've got over that 18 months, we've got very clear on what it is we're teaching and who it is we're serving. And I think um, we have to be, you know, have a mind and a, and a business that's open to everything, that's scouting for the opportunities um, and closed to nothing because if you start a business with a closed mind and a closed business strategy and a, these are our goals for this year and we're not wavering, you're going to very quickly learn that, that um, sometimes uh, the universe or people or, or uh, organizations outside of you have different ideas so I love that quote I think it's a Wayne Dyer quote actually that to have a mind and a heart that's open to everything and closed to nothing you are listening to Carolyn Tate the founder of the slow school of business and author of conscious marketing this conversation is sponsored by sevencanaries.com.au and I'm Diana Barnett your host And this is The Toxic Fox Show. This school is only in Melbourne at the moment? We're only physically located. Our public events are physically located in Melbourne. But we are very um, much planning to open up in other locations. Our public programs are very much um, uh, not where our mainstream revenue is coming from. Our mainstream revenue will be coming from our learning and development work within organisations. So um, our focus right now is to get into those organisations that need us 
and that will be um, that could be globally. Yeah. So um, it's just that our public programs right now, because our community has essentially been built in Melbourne, will be focused around Melbourne. Um, but that doesn't preclude people from attending those from other states. We've got someone from Adelaide doing our Talk on Purpose program in a couple of weeks. We've got. Um, uh, certainly a big contingency in Sydney that are uh, very interested and have participated and come to events when they visit Sydney. So we are a global organisation, but our public events right now are based in Melbourne. So if I'm a high-tech company and we're looking for someone to deliver, deliver a program, I approach the slow school and then how do you decide who's, what, who's going to deliver that program? with all your 50 collective in the community? Yeah, you know, look, that's a good question. I guess we always start with the people that have selflessly made a contribution to Slow School this year. There's been a lot of people that have given their time and energy for no financial reward um, because they share the vision and they understand where we're going. So we would always um, start with those that have, um, one that I've got to know, like and trust and that have made a contribution to the school. Um, but also we would do a learning and development needs analysis for of the organisation. So we really need to understand where the problems are presenting themselves in the organisation and what is the skill and talent required to be upskilled in the organisation. And from that, we would brief the appropriate slow school people to make the decisions. So it will always be the client's choice as to how we service and right. what learning that we provide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what would you say is the biggest challenges you've faced in doing a startup business? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> well, the first thing has been time. Um, the biggest challenge for me has been balancing slow school with my own company, Carolyn Tate and Company. You know, as an author of four books and I'm now writing my fifth, I'm also a speaker and I run my own workshops on purpose and marketing. Um I've found it very hard to put enough time and energy into growing my own business and my own revenue while also growing slow school. And that's been my biggest challenge is, 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 is that the revenue raising and the time, the time uh, factor has been my biggest challenge. So that's been one challenge. Um, having no money as a startup, you know, like, for anyone in business that's out there that is starting up a business, make sure you look after your financial well-being. Um, really make sure that you're set up before you take on something as big as slow school. But then again, on the other side of the coin, I think naivety is fantastic starting a business. Like if you are naive, that's great. Um, the more you know, the less, the more scared you are to do things. Yep. So I think in some ways... Um, um, having an empty mind and just going, I'm going to go for this um, and being naive does serve as well. Um, I think the other challenge that I've had is is, a, is around just um, the experiments, I call them, that we've had that have failed. It can be debilitating. You know, you will fail. Emotionally, yeah. You will fail and if you're not failing when you start a business, then it's not the business you need to be in because if it's too easy, it won't be you know like it's it's hard hard work and and I will be very upfront and honest about that there's this bullshit utopian message out there that startups you know 
you know, get into your, your garage and build an app and sell it for millions and you'll be, you know, you'll be, you'll be sitting pretty. Yep. Um, it is not all kittens and rainbows. In fact, it's really, really hard work. Yep. And, um, and it has to be hard work. It yep. just really does. And so I think really knowing that you're going into this boots and all and that it's going to be hard. Yep. Um, the thing that you know when you're on purpose, and this is why purpose is so important in business, if you do not have a higher purpose that is beyond making money, you will not last more than 12 months. You will not be driven to keep doing the work to go through the hard times to turn that purpose into prosperity. Yep. So it, you've got to have a higher purpose. That is my biggest challenge to anyone listening to this. Without a higher purpose, you will not thrive and endure for the long term. Um, so that's probably my biggest learning. And I'm, you know, 18 months in, would I still, I had the year from hell last year, Diana. I would not wish that year on anyone. My health suffered. I had to, um, I put so much energy into it. My finances suffered. My health suffered. Um, it's all going to change this year. I know that, but um, I would not change a thing. I would go through what I've been through last year um, in a heartbeat, and I guess that's the true test of whether you're doing what you should be doing. So flipping that, what's things that have gone really well for you as a business? Building the community, just um, the amazing support. You know, when you're on the conscious business journey, you think you're an idiot. You think you must be the only crazy one out there. And I think the number one thing is building a community around you that cares and matters and gets gets it is really, really important. Um and so for me, the highlight has been the amazing community that we've built and the friends that I've made. And you can walk into a dinner and you can talk about purpose. You can talk, you can have a meditation at dinner and no one thinks that you're crazy. You can talk about um, um, the deep and meaningful stuff that's that is actually important in life and business that is not taught or discussed uh generally anywhere else so I think building the community has been the absolute highlight I mean how do you put a price on people you can't and so that's been the highlight um the highlight also has been building the brand and just having 100% clarity around the purpose and our values and what we why we exist um there's been incredible doors opening I am starting to get people coming to me about wanting to talk to us about slow school and marketing you know and I wrote conscious marketing um last year in 2015 and basically the concept of conscious marketing is that you, by focusing on purpose and people and building the product together, that you can then build a prosperous business. And I've practised that and now we're turning purpose into prosperity. But what I've, I've shown is that you can practise attraction marketing, that you don't have to be out there doing mass interruption 
um, aggressive marketing, which so many organisations are predicated on, I've proven that you can be conscious in your marketing and build a community of purpose-driven people. And so we're now at that point where people wanting to speak to us instead of us having to tear down doors and try and get into the doors of the people that we want to serve. So that's pretty exciting. We're at that tipping point where people are coming to us instead of us having to knock on their doors. So you're, you're crea- you've created a pool strategy. Yeah, absolutely. And um, <laughs> Did you deliberately do that or do you? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I deliberately did that. I mean, God, I wrote a book called Conscious Marketing. If I couldn't practice what I was preaching, then it was going to be pretty useless. Yeah. So, so, so I guess I had to prove that there is a new, another way to do marketing that's not about push. Can I just ask you, your five principles, how hard was it to come up with those five principles? They're my personal business. They're my personal principles. I right. just don't think you can have personal principles and business principles that are not the same. Right. Okay. So they drove me. They drive me. Um, okay. I get um, that now. Yep. I like the co-words. Um, for me, the future of the world is around cooperation, collaboration, connection, um, co-creation. We cannot exist in a you or me or I world if we're going to heal humanity and the planet. So... Um, that co-word was just so important to me. Yep, yep. Um, And so they were derived from that and they were derived from what was really important to me, you know, having the courage to take the road less travelled and do the opposite of what everyone else is doing in the world. Yep. You know, um, consciousness without growing a commitment to a to grow a conscious consciousness practice mindfulness opening your heart opening your mind you can't grow anything um compassion i think it's the absolute like without compassion we can't we can't learn um and we can't be open to um new things connection which is about human connection we've lost the ability to be connected at a deep human level. Uh, technology has been great. It's delivered, it's been, it's on one hand, it's a two-doubled double-edged sword. It's delivered incredible advancements in the world, but it's also created incredible loneliness for a lot of people as well. So human connection is very important. And co-creation to me is at the top of those five principles because once you have those other four that's when you can actually start co-creating something that's far more powerful than one person can do alone. Thanks for that. That's um, just to even know that they are your personal and your business, you know, the two together, and that's a very good point to, you know, you, you should be driving business at the same principles that drive you. Mm. There's one thing on your bucket list you want to tick off this year. What is it? This year? Ooh, that's exciting. Okay, so... My bucket list for this year, apart from the standard recover my health, which I've been very good at this year already, and personal things, a bucket list tick off this year is to have an extensive trip overseas to study gross national happiness in Bhutan, mm-hmm. uh, perhaps a trip to India and um, to see some of my friends in the States. So 
Um, and actually we're looking at doing a transformational journey for Slow School, one of our Slow School um, advisors and our program manager, Tanya, does that. And so um, we want to take a business delegation to Bhutan and potentially India later this year to explore how we bring the principles of happiness and ethics and values and truth and collaboration and so on into the business world. So that's my bucket list for this year. So when are you anticipating that trip to be, roughly? So we've only had one discussion and um, we're hoping probably late August, September this year. Okay, just so people can put that on their bucket list. Yes. <laughs> and um, finally, if you could choose one mentor, dead or alive, who would it be? Ooh, oh, wow, what a gorgeous question to end with. Oh, look, I would, it would just be too hard to choose. Someone like Viktor Frankl from Man's Search for Meaning would be a really... He's, he went through, um, if you haven't read the book, he was uh, in Auschwitz. He was in a German concentration camp. He's a, he's a psychologist. He was a psychologist. He died at the age of 92. And um, he practised this form of psychology, psychiatry, called uh, psychotherapy. And um, it's based on the principles of logotherapy and that logo logotherapy comes from the word logos which is the greek word for meaning and his belief in working with patients is that our goal is to orient people towards um, meaning and um, that's what heals people and helps them um, lead a meaningful and purposeful life and uh, he survived a, a nazi concentration camp by practising this logotherapy. And he actually went on to do some research uh, with John Hopkins University students on getting released from this um, concentration camp. And he researched about 8,000 students and they were asked what they would, what if, you know, what they, their purpose was, what was important to them. The question was, sorry, what is important to you on leaving university and 16% said it was making lots of money and 78% said it was finding purpose and meaning. So these university students had said that that was what was really important to them but sadly today 87% of people were either not engaged or disengaged at work, actively disengaged, which means that they have, that's a Gallup poll research um, that was done in 2012. So, you know, I, I use this quote that 87% of, of people are making a dying at work instead of a living. And every little day, every day they're dying a little death at work. So I find it fascinating that if Viktor Frankl's research showed that 78% of students want purpose and meaning, yet 87% of the world's people are working, um, don't have meaning at work, how has that gone tragically wrong? And I want to close that gap. And Viktor Frankl, that's a long way of saying I'd love Viktor Frankl to be at the table 
um, an amazing, amazing man. Well, I'm de- definitely now going to have to read the Victor Frankl book and we'll get a link from you so I can put it in the show notes so people can tap into Fantastic. that. Fantastic. And I'll also um, put a link into your books for you and a link into the um, sl- the Slow School of Business so people can contact you if they would like to know more about Slow School, wherever they are in the world. Thank you very much for participating in the interview with me and um, I look forward to spending the year of Slow School. I'm actually going on Sunday, so looking forward to that as well. Fantastic. And thanks, Diana, for the opportunity. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. It's going to be a fantastic 2016 and here's to lots of intention and purpose in, in your lives. Thank you. You've been listening to a conversation I had with Carolyn Tate. She founded the Slow School of Business in 2014 and offers a range of programs for people with a higher purpose than profit, using business to make a difference to our world. You'll find links to the books and people she referred to in the show notes. I'd love to hear any insights that inspired and motivated you during the interview. Some points I took from the interview were 1. Understanding what you don't do is as important as understanding what you do do. 2. Your business and personal values need to be aligned. 3. Find yourself a community of like-minded people. They'll keep you motivated and inspired. And 4. Have a mind that is open to everything and closed to nothing. A question I wished I'd ask Carolyn but will ask you instead is how do you find the balance between having an open mind to everything and close to nothing but at the same time not chase the bright shiny objects? Love to hear what you have to say. Carolyn can be found on Twitter at Carolyn Tate Co. That's C-A-R-O-L-Y-N-T-A-T-E-C-O. Her contact details again will be on the show notes. And if you have a question you want to ask her, but you can leave a 90-second audio message on our website. That's thetoxicfoxshow.com. My gratitude and thanks go to those that have subscribed, rated and reviewed The Toxic Fox Show. And also to Vince Jones for the music, to the team that helps me pull this together, to Carolyn for coming on the show, and to you for listening. Till the next episode, thank you for being a business owner that gives a damn.